0: Yes, Products of your imagination. You burst through the door, you find a small room filled with golden jewels. And a red dragon. Products of your imagination.
1: And a red dragon. And a red dra- 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 dragon. You start to imagination. Streaming. Save or die! Uh, yeah.
0: Raise them up, raise, raise them up! Zombies all around me, I be hacking them all up! R- 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 I be,
2: be hacking them all up! When there's zombies all around me, I be hacking
1: them all
3: up! Welcome to the Save or Die podcast, a podcast about classical Dungeons and Dragons. If it's in a box, we'll talk about it.
4: save or die adventure number 55 because we can't drive 55 no really with you is dm mike along with the other three dm glenn
0: hi i'm dm mo i mean i'm dm glenn
4: dm Grisby.
2: hello
4: and the birthday girl dm liz
0: kobold queen is back
2: indeed able to be 29 liz (laughs)
3: <laughs> Twenty-nine and holding.
2: So you old enough to drive yet, Liz? Huh? So
3: Twenty-nine,
0: I-, I hope so. <laughs> I'm trying well, to compliment
4: no
3: better. I'm yeah. trying, to,
0: trying to compliment her. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
4: this episode, we're going to be finally doing our attack of the clones, or at least a good attempt of it. Yay. This is take two, of course, so if mm. while we're recording, if anyone mentions... Like I mentioned last time, or something, listeners, you'll know we're not just schizophrenic. We wouldn't do that.
3: Not just.
4: Not just. <laughs> At which Yeah. Right. Cl- well, what have you been doing this week, Glenn?
0: What have I been doing? Well, not a classic D and D wise. Um, not a whole heck of a lot. I did do some artwork for our Overlord Vince put out. Um, Another module for his uh, Mazes and Perils RPG, which is based on Holmes, which mm-hmm. you can which you can uh, download for free at RPG Now, and uh, all my artwork's oh. all over that place. But I did a couple of drawings for his new uh, module, and uh, the name escapes me, but I bet I can find it right here. I got ten. in Mine we trust. <clears throat> He's selling that one. <laughs> Ah, okay. And that's about it for me, and Reading Over Swords and Wizardry. That's all. Of course. Crispy? Uh,
2: I haven't done anything in classic D&D, but last night I did play an exciting Rutgers Grimm adventure, which was pretty good. Oh uh, what? what? Rutgers Grimm. Oh man, I've never said anything about Rutgers Grimm. He's like the greatest D&D character I've ever created.
3: Better than Trask?
2: way better than Trask. Last night there was drug use and cross-dressing and rampant murder and uh, reenactment of the Boston Tea Party.
1: And a duck.
4: Now you're talking about the player characters, right? Not the (laughs) players.
2: We did that and then...
3: (laughs) Well, it is Vegas. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Where does the duck fit in?
3: (laughs) What role plays plays in Vegas stays in Vegas. Stays
0: in Vegas. (laughs) That's right. All right.
3: Liz? Well, yeah. over the past week or so, I've been trying to do my best to promote a really cool Kickstarter. Um, guys trying to do Braille polyhedron dice to allow blind and visually impaired gamers to be able to game.
0: <laughs> It'll never um, catch on. It'll never catch
3: on. Uh, it probably won't. Um, it's not doing very well. He's asking for $11,000, and that covers the equipment to make the dye molds and, you know, do it all. And the last time I looked, which was a little earlier this evening, he barely had 2800 There's only seven days left to the Kickstarter. I would really, really, really appreciate it if as a birthday gift to myself, everyone listening to this would not only go there and the thing is called braille dice. Um, go there, just donate five dollars. And I know you don't get really cool swag like you do with the Reaper Kickstarter and, you know, the Rapanethuck and, you know, all the other stuff. But it's a really good cause and There are dice rolling programs out there, I do realize this, Mike and I have both tried using them, however, one of the things we've noticed is that most of the dice rolling programs either will not work at all with a screen reader software such as JAWS or it only halfway works. Sometimes you'll get it to do stuff and other times you'll do the keyboard commands that go with JAWS and nothing happens. So having Braille dice would be probably a boon to an awful lot of visually impaired people who would like to get more into RPGing. So, if you're
4: a dice collector, that's an unusual type of dice to have in your collection.
3: Exactly. That's and right. If you're not a dice collector, but you decide to fund it and get the set of dice if you're not interested in having them, Donate them to your local Lions Club or Lighthouse for the Blind or you whatever go. you have in your area that helps out blind and visually impaired people. Because there will there be are... someone who will want that.
0: Yes, and there are handicapped and blind people out there we haven't corrupted yet.
3: <laughs> we need to reach more of them.
0: Yes.
4: We need more. This has been a public service announcement from Saver Guy.
3: <laughs> That's right.
4: And knowing uh, is half the battle. GI Joe. Hey.
3: <laughs> Apart from that, I've been trying to write up a homes based adventure. Really? Um, that's yeah, that's it's kind of a involved story. Not the adventure itself, but why I started doing it. Last Sunday, Vince just pinged me out of nowhere saying, Hey, do you want to get on to RFI? We're gonna be talking about you know, creating adventures. And it's like I don't feel prepared for this. I don't know that I have a special way that I create adventures. And so I said no, because I didn't think I'd make a really good showing of myself on the show. But that got me thinking about it. It's like, well, what exactly does go through my head when I try to create an adventure to run people through? So I started doing one, and I've been writing out notes of basically my thoughts and in what order I've been putting things together so that's been kind of interesting it gives me a little bit of an insight as to what I do and why I do it
1: <laughs> pretty
3: do we, scary
0: do we want to know
3: <laughs> you probably don't uh,
0: okay. but, <laughs> but I'm sure a lot of people would yes That's true. Thorkey. hi. Uh,
4: (laughs) Leave the
3: professor alone.
0: How about you, Mr.
4: Mike? Well, a listener named Bill was kind enough to send me PDFs of the Imagine magazine run. And I've been going through them currently to try to get... They actually cover a decent amount of basic D&D in those issues. I was pleasantly surprised.
3: It's very and, interesting.
4: And indeed the very first issue, which I thought was a great idea, the whole issue was dedicated as if they were talking to somebody who had never gamed. All the articles were based on, you know, somebody picking this up off a newsstand. <laughs> and what's this gaming stuff, you know, going on about? And I think that's a that's a really good idea. Um, I'm not sure how well it would work nowadays in the in the E internet era. You know, how many people just hang around newsstands or, and read magazines or flip through them?
2: How many newsstands are there? Huh? Even, how many newsstands are there?
4: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's per non-demand or subscription stuff. That, but large. for the time, which was, uh, I think, August of 1983, it was I a really good have, idea.
3: I would have loved to have found a magazine that told me all that. Back in 1983, <laughs> I was just flying by the seat of my pants and
1: yeah. trying to yeah.
3: figure it out on my own.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: the last one I liked was a special that collected, like, the first five or six uh, adventures they had in the magazine in one magazine.
4: Well, is that what those are? I'm going chronologically down the list, so I haven't gotten to those yet. So Yeah.
0: and mm. uh, It's it's nice to have them there. It's like having a little extra dungeon magazine there, right there.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much been what I'm doing, just trying to list out all the basic adventures and stuff that they ran. Because I've got a list of all the ones from Dungeon, uh, but I think one from Imagine would be useful too. I always oh, sure. liked some of the UK modules.
0: Mm-hmm. They know, even put a, they even put a couple of Marvel superheroes things in there. Believe it
4: yeah, or. It, it's always nice to see, you know, the British view on role-playing. It's, they're a little different than we are.
0: A lot of people thought they made the best modules in the day.
4: Yeah. But, uh, so, that's what I've been doing. Cool. So.
0: What are we doing?
4: Without further ado, we will move on into Game On. on, and we're covering clones this episode. In particular, one clone. And what clone would that be, crispy?
2: I don't know, like vibrant wizardry, some, something like that. Yeah.
0: Something. <laughs> he's already
2: so dungeons and tunnels. <laughs> he's
0: already he's already mutated it into something
2: else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Magic the Planeswalkers? Is that what we're talking about today? No,
0: no. We're talking about Fatal. I mean, no.
4: Uh,
1: yeah! yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> no, we're talking about Swords and Wizardry, the clone that attempts to emulate the best parts of original Brown Book D&D in supplements.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: That's right, it does, doesn't it? Yes,
2: it does. It does. Uh, if you go on the Swords and Wizardry, like... Forums, you get a lot of insight into why Swords and Wizardry was written the way it was. And yeah, you mean like the changes they made and all that? Uh, just like the way the rules are written, like via via the interpretation of like how it was originally written. Okay. Any nuggets you can share? Um, I think of one. Oh, uh, magic users percent chance to learn a spell. Ah. About, like, minimums and maximums and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, what the, uh, what Matt Finch had taken away from those particular rules, stuff like that. I don't uh, know. Go to the, front.
0: the, yeah. From the Greyhawk gray supplement. Mm-hmm. And so. Mr. Finch is the head writer. Um, yes, Matt Finch. Um,
2: yeah.
4: Currently uh, of uh, Fraud God Games?
2: Yes, uh, I don't know if he's, like, of Frog God, I think he's he does stuff with them. I don't oh. I don't know how all these things work. Okay, he might be like I'm. I'm probably wrong.
1: But okay,
4: uh, well, he's at least associated with them and is yeah. running uh, Swords and Wizardry through them, particularly the complete Swords and Wizardry rules.
0: And you know what? I just noticed. I looked at the contributors. Dennis Astaire is one of the contributors. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, that explains why he was running it at North Texas RPG Con.
2: Yeah, one of the playtesters. And I I was reading this for the complete rules. I was just reading, you know, book cover to cover, and I saw like just the dumbest name. Just I bet whoever has his name is the silliest person I've ever met. Hmm. It's uh, there was one of the playtesters. His name was Vincent Florio. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, what a dumb name! Who's that? I don't know. I never I heard bet, of that guy. I bet he probably is not cool at all.
4: Well, yeah, you know how
2: how that works.
4: This is where he I go. Is so wah. To get you. <laughs> this, is, this is where I go. Wow, wow, wow,
2: from all the uh, the force.
4: Seriously, I didn't know he was part of the
2: uh, playtester.
4: Playtester. Hmm. He kept that pretty quiet. With special thanks to all. Yeah, he
2: oh, doesn't go around bragging about it. He's not like, yes, well, I playtested swords and wizardry <laughs> and ha.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's good reason why he doesn't, but I'm not going to go into that. But <laughs> anyhow, anywho, um, yeah, this was
4: done. In- so, first impressions. What was your first impressions looking
0: at over, Glenn? Well, it makes a good doorstop. Now, um, I thought it was. I like games that are like complete, and this one is complete in one volume. Mm. I really like that. Um, very thorough. Very thorough. I mean, this rivals Labyrinth Lord and mm-hmm. just having, like, the complete package right there. Uh, okay. And their changes really make sense. And uh, some of the changes I'm even going, well, why didn't they do that in the first place? You know, the original <laughs> ground book. Do you have an example? <clears throat> example, saving throws. They reduce five down to one.
4: Yeah. I like I that. still don't know how I feel about that. Really? They, yeah. It's, just it's simpler, yeah, but, you know, it just seems... Well, you just add pluses
0: and minuses per class, then.
2: Uh, I definitely think it's it's more elegant, but, like, I can see why someone might not like it. I personally do like it, but, like, I can see having the, the chart being there, being kind of like an old comfort.
4: Well, and... I must admit I prefer the Castles and Crusades method if you're gonna modify saving throws and basically play them off the attributes. Hmm. The just make a modified attribute checks. If I have a favorite system, that would probably be it. Yeah. But you know a lot of people, like you said, like the
0: like the elegance of just one role.
2: Yeah. A lot of people like the matrix.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's true. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's Complete back is very nice. I even overlooked the fact that, you know, AD&D sort of sneaks in there around the corners, stuff like splitting racing class and things like that.
4: Yeah, that started, uh, what, in the fourth edition of the free core rules? I think so. And then, yes. which eventually evolved into the non-free complete rules, which are on sale right. currently from Frog God Games. And you said they were, what, 20 bucks. Uh you can
2: have a PDF for 9.99. Okay. Which is so awesome you- bad. it's not bookmarked though. Like I will say like as much as I do like Swords and Wizardry, I w- there's not a lot of errata that went into the PDF version like they didn't sh- update some of the spelling and errors and stuff like that even though they have been like brought up in like a f- in a forum topic.
4: Which is odd because you'd think that would be the easiest to fix.
2: Yeah, like I'm pretty sure that the PDF you get is just the printer's PDF that they they sent out to have the book printed with.
4: They just I'm PDF'd a- it, and there you yeah. go.
2: I will Are- say that I also don't like that it is not bookmarked. So keep those in mind if you're going to buy it, or you could just spend ten extra dollars more and get a soft cover. Get a
0: hard- yeah, get the actual. I'm holding a book. copy of the soft cover in my hand, and it retails. Soft cover retails for thirty nine ninety nine.
2: Which which version for a softback? This this is the complete rule book. Ouch! How much did you pay for it? Where did like how did you get it? Because I got I got a hardback version, which they don't actually make anymore. And there's a couple different things with telling which version of Uh the rules you have. Right. If you have a complete book with a glossy hardcover, Uh that is actually a reject print that they would only sell for twenty dollars. It still has. It was like a test print that they had done. Right. So uh, like- that would sell for twenty nine ninety nine or something or nineteen ninety nine or whatever it is. But it still has the special edition, like limited edition print runs right. covers on it. The way to tell if you have a real limited edition like number blah 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 of blah 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 is that it uh has a matte, not glossy cover. I wish
0: I could tell you, but I had the PDF and I had my DM printed and bind it.
2: Ah. Oh, well, that's what. Oh, it's okay, done. then they, they only paid $9
0: for that. Yeah, I paid 10 bucks. Like, I threw them 10 bucks. Yeah. I said, here, do this. Yeah. yeah.
4: That's
2: like that's, a labyrinth lore, too. It's, <laughs> PDF is the same exact thing. I'm pretty sure it's just the printer's version of the PDF.
0: Yeah, it's just PDF. first printing November 2010. hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Liz? First impressions.
3: First impressions, I like it. It's laid out very well. It's easy to find what you're looking for.
4: Unlike things. the game it's cloned of.
3: Yes. You know, unlike as much Brown as I books, love it. <laughs> yeah, unlike the Brown books and unlike Holmes, which is virtually Brown book, not quite the same, but very close cousin. Um, you can You can easily find what you need. Like items are grouped together, so it cuts down on flipping back and forth. For you know ease of gameplay, I think it's it's a very nicely put together book. The rules are simple. Um, like with the saving throws, some things that would have been convoluted in the brown book or Holmes version were simplified, and you get, more gaming and less looking things up.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that pretty much mimics my opinion. I've, all, despite the iconic, you know, three books, players, DMs, monster that seems like half the D and Ds and even non D and D games tend to go into. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of having everything in one book because the whole idea of well, the players won't read the stuff in the Game Masters, but yeah, sure, that's that's exactly what's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: you hold on to that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, yeah, and I think overall it would be a lot easier not only just for a new person to find this, rather than getting even just a printout of the PDFs of the old brown books, but it's clearer. I may not always agree with some of the rule choices they made, but I can't fault the organization and streamlinedness of the presentation
0: right. and what i like about it what i like about them doing the changes they will lay it out in black and white very clear why they did it well not quite why they did it but i was gonna say some of them no they didn't <laughs> what is what is cha- well what is changed they will like say okay the original one had this we're doing it this way yeah which i yeah
2: like. i like that a lot that they do have a lot of sidebars in uh, at least the complete book, and and the other versions as well. I, the white box rules have a lot of sidebars and like mm-hmm. rules that you can kind of bring in. And a lot of
0: times they'll give you the
2: option of doing it the other
0: way, like the saving throws. They got the saving throw charts in there, saying, "Okay, if you want to do it this way, here it is."
4: Which is a good thing, I mean, because it doesn't take that much room. And, you know, if it makes a certain portion of the gaming public, mostly old grogs like me, Grump Grump, Mm -hmm. you know, why not put it in there?
0: I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: That's one thing I really like about Swords and Wizardry is is it's trying to bring – it's trying to appeal to multiple generations of gamers. Like, it's got, like, your ascending armor class and your, like, hit bonuses – Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also has your, you know, your tables and matrices and your descending armor class.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like the idea where it says descending armor class is officially the way we do it. But here's ascending armor class and all the rest. Ra- and they, they, it was consistent in the books, too. You look at the monsters, and they had the descending and ascending armor class there. So they were consistent through the whole book. I really liked mm-hmm. it. Yeah.
4: Well... Let's uh, consider character generation.
0: It's three dice,
4: pretty much put them where you roll them, which is certainly old school.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that goes all the way up to the RC.
4: Yeah. Yeah, For attributes over 13, generally you get a plus one. Right. At least for the physical ones. Intelligence and wisdom, charisma, they have game effects. Um, Mm -hmm. An interesting design choice was apparently the idea of, I mean, kept the whole idea of prime requisites giving you bonus to your experience points. But it's 5% for your prime rec for your class and then an extra 5% for wisdom, high wisdom and high um, charisma. Right. Which is kind of it's not Brown Book. Uh, I went back and looked those up and you know, unless you're a cleric, of course. In which case, you know, obviously you would get ten percent for the you know since you double dip for the wisdom. Yeah,
2: and and it uh like it it took yeah. out the you know having a having to have a sixteen to get the ten percent. So it, I don't know. Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, and they had bigger bonuses, but conversely, they required higher numbers too, like you just said.
2: Yeah, 16 and, for 10% experience.
4: Yeah, and I, like I well, I said before, I think the thing for the charisma was to prevent charisma from being a dump stat and while it may not be brown book, I can't fault the attempt, you know, try to make it matter a little more.
2: Yeah, in my swords and wizard game for critical wits, nobody dumped charisma. <laughs> 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 it's the first time that's ever
4: happened. Just out of curiosity, when they rolled up characters, did they put them in order or put them where they wanted them? I let them put. It was three d six. Put where you want. Yeah, that's despite my my grumping about old school. I tend to let people put their numbers where they want. But I
2: was still pretty uh, adamant about them rolling three d six. You don't that's you don't cool. need like one thing that I really like about old school d d and swords and wizardry is is no <laughs> no like exclusion from this is that you don't have to have, you know, three 15s, a 13, and a 14 to, like... To
5: be a paladin.
2: Just, yeah. yeah, like, uh, you, you don't have to have a super powerful character to be effective, because the, the numerical bonuses are so low, like, it's... it most you're ever going to get is, like, a plus two to hit, if you have, like, a high strength, depending uh-huh.
4: on Yeah, of- and, for example, the paladin, I mean, in Brown Book... How did you become a paladin? Your character decided to be a paladin. I mean, there was no minimum requirements, just you had to act lawful good. And if
0: you the DM decides you didn't, well, boom, you've lost it. And you find that consistent through all of basic. I mean, I, I'm playing, right now in my RC game, I'm playing an elf who has strength of 10, intelligence of 10, wisdom of 11. But the other three stats are pretty high, like he's got an 18 dex. So mine's all backloaded, but he's up to fourth level now. Mm-hmm. So i'm I'm don't feel that pressure of the adD like, oh, I gotta get something at least 13, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. I always feel that pressure. Well,
4: Since the Bennies aren't as high, for instance, you know, 13 plus you get a plus one where you have a 13 a 15 and 18, right you know so that pressures off a little. yeah. And as far as classes go, the core rules, which are the only ones that are currently free, right have, three classes the fighting man fighter magic user and cleric now wait a minute is fighting man and And, fighter two different things no I was just saying it's the same that's why I was saying fighting man man, but it's a fighter, fighter Okay, sorry And at least Um,
3: in my version, that's how they listed, fighting man, and then in parentheses, fighter. fighter. (laughs) Just in case you were confused, oh, that's a fighter.
4: (laughs) Sorry, your
2: character's female. She can't be a fighting man.
3: Oh, oh, man. (laughs) Literally.
2: And and your strength can never go above 17, because you're a woman, and therefore you can never make as much money as a man.
3: (laughs) But, but I can the hell out of everything. But I'm a female... Strength?
0: That's not realistic.
2: But I'm a female dwarf. You can't be as good as a man. Now shut up.
0: But I'm a female dwarf.
2: <laughs> oh, Go cast and sandwich in the kitchen.
4: <laughs> good woman.
2: Anyway, and...
4: At least in the second and third editions of the core rules, they had the race as class, the Dwarven Warrior, and the Elven Adventurer. As an option, yeah. As an option, which were basically, you know, for the Holmes and other classic people who want the Dwarf class or the Elf, which is kind
2: of a Fighter Magic user. Mm -hmm. But they took that out of the fourth, right? Uh, I think they took they uh they took that specific variant out, but I think they brought in multiclassing.
0: Ah, they did. Okay, I saw.
4: So it. that was uh, the-,
2: the thief was also an optional uh, is an optional thing in the fourth printing. In the fourth printing, yeah. Dual and, and multiclass. I
3: think, the, I think by the fourth printing, you also had the option of the the playing the halfling, which really wasn't touched on very much in earlier editions of the core rules. Yeah,
2: you were kind of just a halfling. I, yeah. I think uh, it gave you, like, maybe a bonus to missile weapon throws or something like that. Th-
0: You're a short person. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, in the complete, you got assassins, you got rangers, you, I think you even have half-elves half, half elves in here. Kind of AD&D-like, really. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's, that's what I'm saying. It definitely uses things from all of classic, uh uh, original D&D. Like, if you want to play just straight brown book, you want to look for the white box. Which mm-hmm. is Elf. Fighter, cleric, magic user, Elf, dwarf. Happy. I don't think that's being sold anymore, though, is it? But you can still
3: download well, not, from
2: Swords of yeah. History.com. Oh, yeah, the
4: PDF. I mean, the actual box set. And it's- oh.
3: you, can, you can't buy it in the box, but on their Lulu page, um, lulu.com slash spotlight slash Mythmere. Mm -hmm. Um, You can buy the white box rules as a single book, but you can't buy it actually in the white box the way it was initially presented. Mm -hmm. Okay. So
0: that is an option. And yes, all you people who like monks, monks are in there
2: in the complete rules anyway.
4: Both of you who like monks. Monks. (laughs) Jared,
2: Bill, monks, don't worry. They're in there. Yeah.
4: So, yeah, you've got a lot of options, even with just the 4th edition free stuff. If you don't want to actually pay for the complete, you've got a decent smattering of classes.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Oh, yeah. You- and because of the system, you know, uh, needless to say, you can use original or classic D&D stuff with this with very little modification.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Although we talked on it earlier, we'll just touch on it again. They did change saving throws, at least in the default. Yeah. They just give one number, and then depending on your class, they Lots. modify it. Plus, so if
2: you're a fighter, I think you like you save better versus I want to say poison.
4: Yeah, which is kind of how the the charts went.
0: You know, yeah, back in the
4: day, they they magic users with it spells, etc., etc.
0: So if I go with this, the first thing I do is figure out how to put gnomes in this game.
2: Uh, how do
4: they come up with the base number four? <laughs> S- the saving throw to start with
2: uh is that i don't know uh i honestly
4: do they just give it arbitrarily for the class or
2: possibly i think it might yeah. be trying to mimic like their highest save or maybe an average of the saves i don't know like that would be a good question to ask the uh the old myth about mm-hmm. it maybe i'll do that okay
4: so regard. However, they come up with it, it's a number that is modified depending on the circumstances and your class.
2: Um, it's certainly an easier way to handle it. Um, but you can also just, like, the numbers don't really matter that much. So if you wanted to bring in the old Matrix, the Saving Throw Matrix from any other game, like, just port that over.
4: It should fit pretty seamlessly. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Which is another thing that I really like about old school D&D is that you can't break it.
4: Yeah, they... they I guess it was because back in the day they expected you to make up lots of stuff yourself. Mm-hmm. Which is why Judges Guild originally got the contract for doing D&D campaigns and stuff, because people at TSR were like, nobody's going to pay money to buy somebody else's campaign. They're all going to make it up themselves. Yeah, And... Obviously, that didn't turn out to be true, but it's kind of a flattering idea that they started with.
0: Yeah. You are right, sir.
4: So, speaking of uh, saving throws, let's also move into combat. How is combat
0: handled?
2: Uh, let me actually break out the PDF here.
0: Quick. Well, I noticed there's a difference in the order of combat. If I can just—he's thumbing through a PDF. Yeah,
1: they seem
4: thing. to have to have uh, grabbed the Moldvay system. Yeah, and they. Which o- is fine. I think it's a pretty elegant one, myself. So. But they
0: also offer two different alternate methods. One of which is the home system.
4: That's right. It, yeah, um, they do do that, don't they, Liz? The dexterity. Um,
3: well, in, and again, you know, be advised. I'm looking at this from the second edition core rules. So, (laughs) what I've got is not up to date, but according to that one, Mm -hmm. it's D6 initiative, and the combat is basically, you know, movement, then magic spells, then missile firing, and then actual melee. Melee. That's the order. Um, So, in this one here, it's... D6 initiative is how you do it.
4: That's the only um, option.
3: That is the only that is the only option that I saw in this one. Well,
1: um, the, Holmes,
3: sorry. as people may know, if they play Holmes, if you don't, then heretics.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, Grab
4: bases and perils right now.
3: That's right, but in Holmes, you only use the D6 to roll initiative if you've got people whose dex scores are within one to two points of each other. Otherwise, it is automatically, every single round, your highest dex goes first and goes down the line. Right. So you you only roll in Holmes if you've got two people, you know, well, I have a dex of 13. Well, the monster has a dex of 14. You're going to have to roll off. So the DM
4: has to roll the dexterity of the monsters at the time with 3D6. Yeah. Right. In a way, they are kind of rolling, but so, and I think some of that came from *Metamorphosis Alpha*. That idea of using the decks for initiative, but it never really caught on in D anD D. So it's only in Holmes. Now, sorry, Chris, can
2: ask Mike uh, what's the truncated like order in, of initiative or how battles play out in in chainmail. Like
4: oh, from- gosh. Since that is I mean, like the... I frankly don't remember because I looked at it a while back and was just kind of like, ouch, I don't want to use this, and my <laughs> brain locked up to protect me from it. <laughs> so.
0: Now, I'm looking at the complete rule book here at the Order of Combat. I find it interesting where... It's, it's good. Sorry. I think, uh, I'm sorry. I, I think it's interesting. You check for surprise, then you declare spells. You don't cast. You declare spells then you do the initiative, then you do movement and missile fire, and melee combat and spells is thrown into that, melee combat and spells. So spells does not have its own separate place on the chart.
4: And that's for 4th edition or complete?
0: That's for complete.
4: Okay. It's also- does
0: it give that Holmes option anymore? It gives the Holmes option, it gives a modified supplement, three rules, and the core system rules. So you've okay. got that in there too. Those are your three options if you don't want to use that.
2: Another cool thing that I like about the Complete is that it's not one side goes, then the other side goes. Like, for the phases. It's not like my side gets to move, attack, and cast spells. And then you guys get to move, attack, and cast spells. It's my side gets to move, then your side gets to move. Then my side gets to shoot missile weapons. Then your side gets to shoot missile weapons. Then my side gets to do melee combat. Then your side gets to do melee combat. So, like was reasonable. Yeah, I, I like it a little bit better because I think it's not as devastating. I either. find that a bit confusing. It's just basically like I want initiative. Now we're going to run through these phases, and in each phase, I go and then you go. But we're un- the phases at the same time.
0: I understand, yeah. but to me, that's that's. Uh, it's too easy for me to forget. Okay, is it time for the next turn? Because okay, you went. Did you go? No, wait a minute. I didn't go. Oh, I forgot to go. Okay, you go now.
2: Well, that's why. What, what? I don't
4: know. I think it. I think it would be fairly easy. I mean, it's only four sections.
2: I don't understand what. What they?
4: I think Glenn's saying he would get thrown off by. I go, you go. Then I go, you go. I go, you go. Then I go, you go, and kind of lose track of. Is that all one turn yet or not? Ah, yeah. But I, I don't. I don't. If,
0: do I have that right, Glenn? Yeah, I think you do. Yes, you do. Okay.
4: I could see that initially, but I think it would it would flow pretty easily once you got used to it.
0: Um, okay. You may not want to, and that's perfectly cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, but maybe it's just me. I mean, I'm looking at my
2: shelf. And I see my D and D for Dummies book there, so <laughs> maybe it's just me. And and if that's the case, like you have you know, three other combat systems and the complete rules that you can use. Yeah. So there you go. Option. There you are. Yes. Option. And, and the it's usual, you
4: know, you roll a 20 to hit, like in ED&D, and they provide both descending and ascending armor classes. Or
2: you could do what I do and just do the cheaters method that they supply, where you, uh, you have like a number that you just always add to your here to hit rule, and one thing that I also really like about this is on the monster charts, they just tell you flat out that like if you're rolling an attack for monsters using the system, it's plus one per hit die. True. Okay. That's the thing I really like. So I'm like, oh, it's a nine hit die creature. All right, also- plus nine. Plus nine. And, yes,
0: D and C does that too. Yeah. And if you're an old fart like me who's stubborn, I just use Seiko.
2: Yeah.
4: So. Or you've got charts.
2: Mhm. You, so, you can charge. Again, three different light options hard. that you can use.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this uh, uh, the small. only thing to be wary of is that the descending armor class comes from an AC of 9, uh-huh. which is classic. The ascending
2: goes from a 10.
0: Yeah. Which might throw people a little bit. Which is and, classic three five.
2: Yeah. Well, the thing is, is and ADD it tells you, like, don't mix and match these things. Like, yeah. use if you're going to use Ascending, everyone uses Ascending. Yeah. If you're going to use Descending, like, save yourself the headache and don't, you know, don't confuse yourself.
0: But well, this is supposed to be a game of choice. Shut
2: up, do it my way.
0: Well, the way I, I
4: I try to look at it is instead of giving the Descending and the Ascending armor class next to each other, I'll view it as they're giving the Descending armor class and they're nice enough to give you the target number there, too. Yeah,
2: Yeah. That's because that's basically what Ascending is. It's yeah target number yeah Yeah. so if you
4: think of it more that way it's not quite so confusing i think you're right
3: (laughs) about what the confusion between ascending and descending yeah do you have a preference or well naturally my preference is for descending because that's what i've used most of my gaming life Ah, that's my
4: girl all right (laughs) really helped me when i took algebra in high school
3: oh indeed um and I've told this story before. People are probably sick of hearing it, but when I started out with Holmes, I learned descending with AC of 9 being no armor. When I did finally move to AD&D and no armor suddenly became AC 10,
5: mm-hmm.
3: I, was, I was thrown off for quite some time until I learned to include the studded leather armor option in there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, for the first couple of months after I got the AD&D books, it's like AC-10 is no armor, not AC-9, you know, and I'm just putting 9 down. It's like, ah.
4: Yeah, it's weird. Once you get past studded armor for AD&D and leather for classic, anything higher or more armored is identical. It's just those 8, 9, and occasionally (laughs) 10 that gets all wiggy. yeah. I understand that. What about damage?
3: What about it?
2: Well, how do
4: they handle damage?
2: It <laughs> does a D6, except it doesn't, and it makes us yeah. it Doesn't. Yeah.
4: Yeah, D6, unless it doesn't.
2: Uh, yeah, it's it's uh variable weapon damage. Um, one thing that I do like is that they brought in uh Jason Cohn, the philotomy. Uh, mm-hmm. they brought in some of his like ha- proposed house rules for what you're doing with your other hand during combat. So it's like, you have one hand, and that holds your weapon, and then you have another hand, which can be used to hold your weapon, which if you use a one-handed weapon with two two hands, it, it gives you a bonus of, like, plus one damage. If you uh, use a weapon in each hand, you get a plus one to hit, because your probability of hitting with these two weapons goes up. There's no one- So he actually gives you a bonus for an yeah. off-hand weapon rather yeah, than a negative. Yeah, any more damage. You don't do... Ah,
4: so it's more damage, but not necessarily to hit.
2: Yeah, so it's like you can you can two hand your longsword and get a little more damage, or you can like jab at him with two daggers and get a better probability to hit. One thing that I like is that it's less about being good at something making you not have a penalty versus like <sighs> that's that's the wrong way to phrase that. Like normally, it's if you're wielding a two two hand or if you're wielding a weapon in each hand, you take bigger penalties. Or is this it? It's giving you a bonus that I like better. So I, it they should be, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And I assume you can use two weapons and you don't have to have, like, a dex of whatever or higher in order to do that?
2: Nope. Pretty cool. Yeah, and then the other one is uh, the other thing you can do is uh, hold a shield in your offhand and that gives you an, a plus one AC. Yeah. Which has always been kind of a thing. Mm
4: hmm. So that way, the two weapons actually kind of, in a way, maintains the same plus one as traditional. It's
5: just
2: plus one to damage instead of plus one to AC. Mm
5: -hmm. Um,
1: Do
5: they have
2: parry rules? They do. The fighter has a parry option. I wanted to ask you about that. Is Mm -hmm. the fighter's parry ability from any of the supplements? Greyhawk, I believe. Greyhawk, yeah. So it gives you the uh, if you have a dex of so and so, you're uh, and you fight defensively. You're um, okay, I don't think there was a dex modifier eight. to it. It's personally. basically depending on your dex. So if you have a 14, they take a negative one when you like parry. Ah, so they don't do the whole thing.
4: If you're parrying, then you basically stop every blow coming at you, which is kind of abstract. Yeah. And,
2: and that, that actually uh, that was a good example of Matt Finch kind of going like, Oh, here's where I got the rule. Here was what I interpreted it as, and here's how I play it. Mm-hmm. I play parry as you're always parrying no matter what. Whereas yeah. some people play it as you you can parry but not attack.
4: Well, when you consider the combat "quote unquote" round being yeah, like minute. anywhere from one to two minutes, yeah, you're, you're obviously you're parrying, you're fainting, you're twisting, you're you know doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah.
2: Um, one thing I also like about fighters, uh, it's I think it's another Greyhawk thing is they in the complete rules they have the uh, strength bonuses from the later supplements, and that's something that Matt Finch actually brought in into later copies of Swords and Wizards before. Uh-huh. Does it um, do uh, percentile? No, it doesn't do percentile. Uh, 18 is plus 2 to hit, plus 3 damage. Hmm. That's as high as it goes. But fighters are the only ones to get that bonus.
4: Yeah. Is there an option for D6s, or is it just variable weapon?
2: I think you can you can probably bring the D6 in no problem. Like, I know you can, but do they give it as an option? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't think that they do. Okay. Like, I don't even think it's brought up. I think, because most people who, you know, most people use variable weapon damage as the, as the default thing. Unless you're like a Holmes guy. Holmes. <laughs> or a girl. Or, or a Holmes girl. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I'm a homes girl. <laughs> so so. Girl. I've noticed, I've noticed that? the
3: people who do
4: use D6s are very vehement about it.
3: <laughs> well, I will say, while I do love my homes rules, generally I will use variable weapon damage unless I've for whatever reason got a brand new player and right. I want to start them off pretty slow.
0: I mean, to me, it's nice to simplify it that way. But at the same time, I feel like every fight is like nickel and diming the monsters to death. Mm. Unless you have some really awesome pluses.
3: Well, the problem with the Holmes rules in combat, if you're not using variable weapon damage, Mm. and this was something Mike and I were talking about just earlier today, Now, according to Holmes, if you've got a super light weapon, like a dagger you can get two blows per round. Right. If you have a very heavy weapon, like a two-handed sword or a morning star or something, you can only go once every other round. Ooh. Now, if ev- Yeah, so if everything does the exact same amount of damage, why would anyone choose a heavier weapon? Because it's going to cut down the number of times they can attack. Yeah, now, yeah. Unless you can using, get
4: two daggers.
3: Yeah, unless you are using miniatures rules, and that extra reach plays an important part in your combat. But otherwise, you wouldn't want to do that because it just wouldn't make sense. Right. So if you're doing that, I think it's a good idea to have the variable damage because then that gives you a trade off. You're only going once every other round, but you can do D8 or D10 or whatever. So it kind of, you know, modifies your. It makes up for it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: the uh, Supplement Five combat like round rules actually kind of bring that up. That like a lightly armored fighter wielding a lighter weapon will get to attack more often. Mm-hmm. On, like the. Uh...
4: But again, with variable weapon damage, it that that's kind of built in compensation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay, well I think we have pummeled combat yeah. enough. <laughs> um. It, 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 wait a it's still breathing. Pummel it a little more. No, go ahead. I'll
4: throw a fireball at it.
0: There you go. What do you, okay. what do
4: you think of spells? How do the spells rank? How do you think they work out as far as comparing to the clone, the original, I mean?
2: That is not a question for me, because I forgot to look how spells worked in the- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I
4: believe they work traditionally, the banshee and fire and forget.
2: Yeah, and that's how this works as well. Like yeah. you, you're a you're a wizard gun. You're a magic gun.
4: And it was the third edition of the core free PDF rules I was looking at, but I seem to recall looking at it. I'd say out of you know about a hundred pages, half to a th- two thirds were spells magic items and monsters.
2: Yeah, there's uh, definitely a lot of spells. Um, yeah. One thing that I like in uh, in the complete rules is they give you the option where you can have D4 magic missiles that always hit or D6 magic missiles that you have to roll to see if they hit. Ah,
4: so compromising.
2: Yeah, like that was something death. the first time I ever played Swords and Wizardry at Neon Con, the very last Neon Con. Sniffle. <laughs> uh... Was I, I noticed that reading through, and I was like, "Oh man, that's great! I love that." Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and there, and it's pretty much like your basic D and D simple spells, no material components, uh, level no, range, duration. Yeah, no yeah. casting time, level d- range, and duration, and you're good to go. And clerics, like in most classic D and D, do not
4: start with a spell at first level. Of course. So if they have a high wisdom, they can get an extra spell. 1st level spell at 2nd level and intelligence for
2: wizards, right? Uh, yes. Uh, I actually don't think that the wizards get an extra spell. I also... No, don't. Hmm, Let me check that out real some quick. reason they thought it did. I could be wrong, though. I was... It does, uh, okay.
3: it does say, at least, again, this is for 2nd edition. edition. Yeah,
2: yeah or, they see it in... Uh, yeah,
3: those magic it, users with an intelligence over 15 earn an extra 1st level spell. Yep,
2: I was wrong.
0: So. I was noticing also that uh, I just happened to fall on the monster summoning spells greatly simplified the charts okay. I, uh, unless I'm flashing forward to like a d and d or second edition because i remember you get into monster Summoning.
4: why would so I, you do that glenn <laughs> um, <laughs> why I, would you have second edition on the mind i can't imagine why you would i
0: don't know ask Brian but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but or full it's, on are full-on, or Corey. But um, I noticed you go there, you do monster summonings. Okay, here's this tome of charts. We'll figure out what monster you summoned. Like, yeah,
3: I'm, we're going to look in the back of the book and determine where you are. Are you underground? Are you above ground? Are you in a temperate zone or are you in a jungle? You know, and then you're cross-referencing. And five I, minutes later, you finally find out what you summoned.
0: Exactly. <laughs> like here, Monster Summoning 2. Uh, it's a, everything's a D6 roll for these uh, hobgoblins, zombies, gnolls, bugbears, or skeletons. Boom, there's Monster Summoning 2.
1: Okay.
0: So it's pretty simplified and boom yeah. to go. Now somebody answered. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to ask. I, I feel like I should ask Crispy this. Um, did you. they did they uh, take any? It seems like it. It seems like they took. Did they take any spells from like AD and D, and convert them back
2: into this? I don't think they did. But like I said, I'm not super researched up on. Uh,
4: yeah. Well, keep in mind most of the spells. And even the monsters that came first edition AD&D came from Brown Book Plus Supplements.
2: Yeah, like, uh, you don't have, like, anything like, uh, I don't think you have Floating Disc. Uh, Let me check and see if that's a thing. Or, like, Disjunction. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sure those aren't things. Um, But you don't have anything like Evard's Black Tentacles or anything like that. Yeah, because
0: uh, one thing I remember was, like, you did a game a while ago in another show where you had to, like, uh, retro back an Odeug for your game because that was an A D D
2: Yeah, and that was not that hard. In fact, I think I actually made it to... I,
0: I noticed they don't have
2: an Odiug in here, but...
0: Uh... <laughs> well, no, Odiugs did show up pretty much in the
4: Monster
2: Manual. They were not
0: pre-Monsters.
2: Yeah, I think they might be... Uh...
0: Unless that's a copyrighted name. That goes I think
2: they the might be Product identity,
0: So it probably goes yeah. under some other name in here. Although, speaking of Monsters, if we've...
4: Hit character generation and play enough I think so Are we ready to move into Random Encounters? Oh yes Recounters. And that let
2: is. us do. We take what we want And leave the rest Just like your salad bar
5: <sighs> Nothing up must leave <sighs> Crystal <Perfecto. clears
2: throat> You will come out no
0: more What? Huh? What will come out no more? Random Encounters Random
4: Encounters Hoorah Rather than bore you all with details of every single monster, Why not? we decided each to pick one monster and compare that monster in Swords and Wizardry to the clone game, the game it's trying to clone. And we'll start with
3: Liz. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure. I wonder what
2: you chose.
3: I was going to say.
2: <laughs> Everyone I'm knows sure. that Liz's favorite is goblins. I thought she was going to do the ochre jelly. Goblins.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will come as no surprise to anyone that I picked the kobold. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, i got to say, and perhaps I'm a little biased here because I do love my kobolds. I prefer of description of the kobold in the Holmes rules. Uh-huh. Um, for the most part, they are very much similar. Um, swords and Wizardry says they're subterranean, vaguely goblin-like humanoids. They have a minus one penalty when fighting above ground. They use slings or short bows, and they fight with short swords or spiked clubs in melee combat. Um, they are 1d4 hit points, uh, weapon 1d6, Nothing special for special attacks or defenses. Um, On the other hand, the kobold in the Holmes version, um, they fight like gnolls. They are highly resistant to magic. They get a plus three on all saving throws except for dragon breath. And they have infravision. So I think kobolds are a little tougher to run into if you're using the Holmes version as opposed to using the swords and wizardry.
1: Right.
3: Um, but, you know, apart from that it's, you know, some for some and others for others.
1: <laughs> You've got
3: your same hit dice, um, pretty much your same attack type stuff. So, on the whole, you know, they cross over pretty well. It just depends on do you want them to be tougher, do you prefer them goblin-like, or do you prefer them dwarf-like? Or do you prefer them puppy like? <laughs> AD&D, but they're just so cute that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, those those like those little dogs who get scared and pee all over your leg. Yeah, that's cute. That's yeah, I'm, it's real cute.
3: I, I'm going to use that in the next North Texas RPG game. Oh run- no! I forgot about that. I'm going to have a dog that pees on command. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that drinks pickle juice. Yeah. So, Crispy,
2: yo, <laughs> why did you choose? I had originally chosen dragons, which is what I will talk about again today. So, um, Vision. yeah, like dragons in in like most other forms of D&D are kind of, you know, they're like the big bads like, oh, my God, it's dragon. Ah, ah, ah kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> you I make a so
0: good f- extra to Godzilla film. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they're eating him and now they're going to eat me. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, in Swords and Wizardry, dragons are just—they're kind of more of a, a nuisance than you know, like the godworms of the empire or whatever. Um, so one thing that does do, this does uh, same as OD&D is that you don't roll for a dragon's hit points. They have a number of dragon they have a number of hit points per like the dragon's age per how many hit dice it has and that's how you figure it out and that's also how many hit points its breath weapon does as opposed to you know um, like moldway where you you have its hit points and then its current amount of hit points is is the amount of breath weapon it does it always does you know if it has 15 hit points it, it does 15 HP in damage. Mm-hmm. Um and that they cast spells like they do in OD and D. They have all the different, um, different colors that they do in OD and D. One thing that I I will say about Swords and Wizardry and like I think Luke's kind of touched upon it as well. Um and when we did the show last time, kind of everyone touched upon it. It's it's a great standalone game, but it's even better if you supplement it with the original material. Like uh, I was originally going to do demons and. Uh, Demons had a lot of like extra info about you know summoning them and and if you say their name there's like a five percent chance that they'll they'll come to you and try and kill you and stuff like that uh-huh. uh, is missing from Source and Wizardry. But mm. uh, dragons they still cast spells they don't give the uh, percentages that O D D and D does.
1: Um,
2: but
4: what, as far as whether or not they're use, like, using how, magic or speaking or yeah
2: yeah okay. Like it does to an extent, but I think it's a little more detailed in the original material. Okay.
4: Well, playing off that, I handled the Minotaur All right. and for the most part, they convert over fairly well, same hit die, six or six plus four in Swords of Wizardry. armor class, same. The text is a little less flavory in Swords and Wizardry than it is in the original material, but, you know, I suppose when you're creating something that's supposed to be a core, it's not as big an issue. Um, The attacks are a little different. They do head, butt, bite, and sword in Swords and Wizardry, or weapon, I mean, and it's like two for horns and bite, etc. for brown book, but I did the math, and the actual average damage comes out about the same. So it's going to have roughly the same effect. Um, I agree that using some supplemental material, if you want to put some particular flavor... If you're an experienced gamer, you've got all you need there. You're not going to need anything more. Um, I would like, however, to think that maybe some new people would pick this up, and they might need a bit more hand-holding or just ideas... For how to describe monsters, etc. Yeah,
2: I, I think it also has to. I think it has to do with the monster as well, because like the the uh, Balor, Balrog, or Balrock, or whatever you want to call it, is really, uh, really flavorful in Swords and Wizardry. Mm-hmm. But that's only in the fourth printing. Like that doesn't appear in the third printing or before.
4: Yeah, and Liz, weren't you saying like the merman? had one sentence.
3: Yeah, the Merman has one sentence, but go over to, say, Ogre Mages, and they talk about him for, you know, quite some time. It depends on the monster. Some have really good flavor text to go with them, and others are just like, eh, you know, (laughs) we don't like this one.
2: (laughs) I wonder if that's like a... Because like people who are playing this game, you know, American people, especially in this day and age, have such a... Uh, kind of, yes. The right word. We have such a uh, like a collective unconscious of what a merman is supposed to look like. A preconceived but, notion. Yeah, a preconceived notion. That like even if you've never seen The Little Mermaid, you're always gonna think like King Triton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fish guys. But like ball like oh, what what's a balor? Like yeah. And they can't yeah. say, "Hey, this is the ballrog of Morgoth from Lord of the Rings, which you know everyone has seen at this time yeah at this point so they had to maybe get a little uh, a little more creative on that like oldens mm-hmm. now nowadays are such a ingrained part of you know pop culture that everyone kind of knows what to think. Mm-hmm. And
4: and yeah, the Lord. Thanks to the Lord of the Rings films, you can talk about an orc, and it's at least reasonably plausible that the People non-gamer and- you're talking to will know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, at least but that's in
4: a,
2: general, to argue against my point, something like the cockatrice has two sentences devoted to it, and yeah, nobody's going to know what a cockatrice is.
0: Ogres no. get a, a line and a half.
2: I got a plus nine against those, so
0: that's uh, okay. Okay, okay.
4: You're not there,
0: <laughs>
4: but yeah, it's. I, I wonder if there was any like intention behind giving some monsters more than others, or if it was simply a matter of, well, these are monsters that Matt Venture, whoever, liked, so naturally they put some more detail on it. Or I no think, something.
2: I think it's the second case. Honestly, I. I think it's just these are probably his favorite monsters and he he wrote more about them just through like a personal... Uh,
4: personal enthusiasm. Yeah. yeah.
2: Gotcha.
4: Yeah, you could be right. Mac, you
2: probably are. Well, I mean, you're the one who said it. So, I'm just saying like, hey. <laughs> well, then I agree with myself. You're probably right, Mike. Good job. <laughs> yeah! Pat <laughs> yourself
0: on the back. And speaking of orcs, Glenn? Yep, I picked the orc again. Or, this time. Um... Again. I'm looking, yeah. I'm looking <laughs> at the orc in the complete rulebook, and I'm also staring at my PDF of uh, Monsters and Treasure of Orcs. Uh, it, as far as stats go, it pretty much falls in line with the uh, with the original. You know, uh, hit dice one, armor class six, things like that. Um, the description it's really telling who, what audience they were aiming for. Thank you. In the original one, I mean, they've got nice flavor text. they got a paragraph of orcs. Orcs are stupid British humanoids that gather in tribes. Penalty of minus one in daylight, blah, 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 blah. But if you go into the original Monsters and Treasure, it immediately starts off with... Number of different tribes of orcs be varied as desire. Once decided should be generated a random number, whether orcs are encountered, the number generated telling with tribe they belong to, Keep in mind their intertribal hostility. When found they're literally a cave complex die one to four or a village die to five to six. They immediately go into the war game mindset.
2: Yeah, I think like orcs might have originally been something that you were supposed to fight in in an army of some sort. It's like Yeah,
1: so,
0: yeah
4: I think- definitely. I think it might have even been transplanted from the fantasy section
0: of (laughs)
2: Chainmail. Maybe.
0: And to Um, me, me it's like they're saying, dude, you read the Tolkien. You know what an orc is. Here's the stats, you know. Yeah. Yeah,
3: but I mean, even in Holmes, you've got, you know, the orc stats. For every 100 orcs, the chances are, it's like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm only a first level character and I'm going to
0: run into a hundred (laughs) orcs
2: I don't want to fight a hundred orcs in
0: a cave complex you have a 10% chance for a hundred orcs of running into a dragon oh boy
4: (laughs) but if you're running a whole lot of hirelings in what amounts to a military unit you know just keep throwing them at the dragon and the original books were full of that stuff I mean it was war gamers writing for war gamers so they made a lot of Assumptions that's, that their readers would already know stuff.
0: That's why I said you could really tell the time and the audience they were aiming at at the time, yeah. as opposed to Swords and Wizardry. And also, the I still find it amusing where they say, uh, orc attack in Swords of Wizardry attacks usually with spear or scimitar."
2: Yeah, and last time we we had done this show, like I had brought up that scimitar <laughs> is not even a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> a listing for the scimitar you can't yeah.
3: even buy the scimitar like, <laughs> how come
2: orcs get scimtars I want to have a scimitar <laughs> they're waiting
3: a scimitar to get one they're in front
2: hey, like, I kind of I do I like the distinction that like Holmes had where it's like sword normal and <laughs> sword two handed, and then you could be like, "Oh, my sword is a scimitar."
1: Yeah.
2: How like people are going to be like, "Oh, there's no scimitar listing."
0: <laughs> I, I, just, yeah, of I see Univorks with the guys in front going tut, 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 and the dwarfs going. Why is he what doing? is that Why? reference? That's, that's uh, the saber dance. Catch tree and saber dance. From uh, the saber dance, um, <laughs> it's. <laughs> I keep seeing the guy from the Ed Sullivan show with the spinning the plates on the. Oh, that
4: explains why I don't remember it.
0: <laughs> but uh, no, but they're waving. My time. They're waving at the and the dwarfs going, "Why is he fanning us?" And he goes, "Stop. <laughs> okay, next."
3: <laughs> yeah, see, for all you Ed Sullivan think,
0: fans out there, shut
4: up.
3: Yeah, because I automatically think <laughs> of the guy with the scimitar from. You know, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Let's go. Wap, 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 wop and he just <laughs> pulls out his gun and shoots them. You know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep. Spear orcs makes me think of of the Legend of Zelda. It makes me think of moblins, which are basically like how I think of orcs. They're pig faced like dudes. With
4: spear Yes, yeah. pig faced orcs. Yeah. Pig faced.
2: I think we're all in agreement that pig faced orcs, best orcs. Yeah.
0: Best orcs. Have you see the D cartoon show? Pig faced orcs. <laughs> And speaking of
4: monsters, let's touch briefly on the treasure Uh, of monsters because they have a unique little method of dealing with that Uh, in uh, Swords and Wizardry. Treasure in general,
0: yes. You tell us about it, Crispy.
2: All right, so. (coughs) (coughs) Got to get on my uh, (coughs) special Get your
1: thirst and howl voice. (laughs) Get
2: your treasure. Anytime that I find treasure, I like to bring it back and have my manservant count it. Uh, treasure is handled a little bit handled a little bit differently. Instead of having your treasure table per like letter of the monster and it's cool. or H or whatever, it goes by the monster's hit points total. So you what you will do is it's set up to generate treasure beforehand. Before
0: now, now, now crispy is it is it
2: based on his hit point total or his hit dice? Uh, it's it's based on his experience point total. Ah, okay. So what you'll do is, it, it's written that you're supposed to do it beforehand. You say you're on, like, a level of a dungeon, level one of the dungeon. You find out what they might predict, like possibly fight, and, you know, chances for wandering monster if you want to. You don't really have to. And then you take the total number of experience points, and you multiply it by 1d3 plus one. So you're getting a range of two to four times as much treasure per experience point Uh, for the monsters. And then for each 5,000 GP, there's a 10% chance that you'll have a trade out. For each 1,000 GP, there's a 10% chance that you'll have a trade out. For every 100 GP, there's a chance that you'll do a trade out. So that, uh, total number, that, you know, XP times two to four is the actual total amount of GP value for the horde or hordes because you can split it up. Uh, you don't have to keep it all in one big chest. Yeah. That level will yield, and then you just go through and you you know you you roll a d4 per every trade out, and that gives you what that trade out, what that value of the trade out, that five thousand, one thousand, or one hundred becomes. That is so cool. Yeah, and then you
4: stash and uh, then you stash treasure yeah. at various locations uh, s- with various monsters.
2: Yeah. And what's really cool about that is it it rewards people who don't go around like gung-ho charging every monster because it, it's OD&D is really about getting around the monsters and getting their treasure without fighting them. Yeah. Right.
4: Because Sometimes you have to, but if you can do it without it, that's even better.
2: Yeah. And uh what I also like about it is it's very it's very kind of uncaring because you can find the treasure without fighting the monster and you can also conversely <laughs> fight monsters and never find their treasure. So you know it it doesn't really pander to your players. That's yeah. What I've done is I hate preparing. I'll I'll say this till the end of the year. So I'll (laughs) as I'm like, as I'm you know running the game, I'll when there's a a brief point where they're like role playing amongst each other or whatnot, I'll figure out how much experience points that they're they've been earning, and then I'll do the trade outs in my head. So for every like for every one thousand GP. Uh, I'll just do one 100 GP trade out, and the same thing with um, every like 10,000 GP. There's one 1,000 GP trade out,
1: mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. and also you know uh, ten 100 GP trade outs. What's right. what I really like is that if you trade out everything, because you're kind of buying these other treasures in with the gold that you took out. Right. If you use up all your allotted pool of gold, it's a major treasure. So they get all of the goody stuff, and then they get the total EXP treasure point value Wow <laughs> yeah. so you so you get the total of the treasure and the the XP, x p trade
0: outs and and the x p you you're to give them if they do this stuff,
2: yeah, so like you can if you have like a five thousand g p treasure pool and uh-huh. you trade out all of that five thousand uh-huh. they get the the treasure that they that you traded out for and the five thousand g p so they're getting this treasure the GP, and the gold, or the uh, the experience points that comes from the GP.
0: Mm-hmm. That You know, I'm glad we did the show again, because I completely understand it now, and it's
2: way Yeah, I definitely, it, like, when we it, talked about it afterwards, I said I did a really bad job of representing the treasure hoard system. And it's way cooler than I thought it was.
4: Yeah, I, I like it, it a lot. And it does require a little advanced prep time.
2: But, but very little. You know, that, very little. Yeah, and it also helped me, like, I have my little tricks that I can do, so I don't have to prepare. Mm-hmm. Because I, I hate preparing you guys. I know. Well, it's easy to get over-prepare,
4: too, because no matter how much you prepare, you know, those damn players will just turn around and go that way, just rendering all your preparations moot.
2: Yeah, and, and I, like, I used to be like that. I, I would over-prepare. And I would also not want to kill them, but I've kind of come around to the mindset that, like, sometimes they just gotta die. Yeah. So. It happens.
4: Yeah, it happens. What about you, Liz? Would you use the Horde system?
3: I would, but with the caveat, I would... I'd figure it I'd prepare and figure it out beforehand, because I know one thing that we did talk about when we tried recording this last time, something you had mentioned was if you did the trade outs on the fly as they were going through the adventures, right. you know what if it turns out that you know the ogre mage that they just fought, you know had a plus three scimitar? but he wasn't actually (laughs) using it, (laughs) but he wasn't actually using it when you were fighting him. You know, it's like, well, of
4: course not. It's not in the rules.
3: (laughs) You can't buy one. um, So, if you do do this beforehand, you'll already know in advance, this guy's going to have a magical weapon, so I'm going to make sure it is on him, and he's using it. Yeah,
4: yeah. Because that's a pet peeve of mine of, you know, going into rooms and, you know, the monsters, intelligent monsters, no less, having all these cool magic items that they know are magic and valuable because they storm away in these things. But, you know, they're getting attacked in their lair. And why didn't they use any of these? If I had been him,
2: I would have. I think one thing that you can do is also with this system is you can just give... If you want to have your orc leader with a magic sword, but say you didn't generate the magic sword for him, you can just take it out of treasure elsewhere. You can just cash it for value. Yeah, just cash it in later. Mm-hmm. Which is another
4: good thing too. Yeah. And you're you're a lot of uh, a lot of utility here.
2: Yeah, and you're
4: keeping it on a regular, quote-unquote, level. And new DMs that way don't have to go. You know, am I giving away too much treasure? Not enough. Right. You know, it's it's a good way to eyeball it.
2: For new yeah. people, okay. I could see some people being uh, shying away from like the major treasures, but it's like that's that's never going to happen. Like it, it, it might, but it's going to be such a rare thing that you might see one or two. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Very let's go
4: to the last segment of the evening. If we're done with monsters and their treasure,
0: we are products yeah. of your imagination. Dun, dun, dun. Your dungeon master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. Where are
1: the Cheetos?
0: They're
2: right next to you.
1: Well, all you do is we play the characters we talked about earlier. We run around and stuff.
2: I want to show you a trick Mother showed me when you weren't around. Use your lightning bolt. <laughs> Victory is yours. I'm attacking the darkness.
1: <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons game. Products of your imagination.
2: You're not there, you're getting drunk.
4: Products of your imagination, now we're talking about Swords and Wizardry as a product. Namely its presentation, its It's uh, how it's put together, graphics design, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. So, Liz, being the graphic designer, why don't you start?
3: We kind of covered this, you know, to an extent when we were giving our first impressions of the game. Mm -hmm. One of the things that all of us immediately mentioned was, this is a fantastic layout, it's easy to find what you need, etc., etc. So, I think as far as the design and layout of the information, you know, A+. You've got some good art in here too, um, enough to keep it interesting looking as you're flipping through it. But you don't have, you know, what I consider to be, and this is going to sound really weird coming from someone who is an art major, but I cannot stand the newer gaming books that. You know, we've had over the past 10, 20 years where it seems like half of the book is dedicated to slick, full-color, full-page art pieces, and you're paying, you know, 40, 50 dollars for a gaming book, and you seem to be paying primarily for cool art. As pretty opposed- pictures. Yeah, you know, and I love pretty pictures. I like to make pretty pictures, but I think. The art does not need to be, you know, the the big centerpiece of the game. It's, Your hair. It, it's yeah. good as a supplement. You know, the the rules should be the gemstone. The art should be the, you know, the, the setting that you've put the gem in.
4: Is it better than the original art? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what's a,
3: well, in certain
2: cases, yes.
3: A if we're talking printing. about the brown books,
2: yes, it oh, yeah. is
3: definitely better than the art in the brown books.
2: So you guys see the Minotaur in the fourth printing? It's not. It's not good. It's round bubble art. Really, I
0: missed that one. Wait a minute.
2: And so is the uh, like gray ooze. It's it's kind of silly. I
0: kind of yeah. I kind of like Orcus in there though. As yeah. much as I
4: like the brown books, you know, I just can tell you, I refer to the art in them as booger art. Yeah, and uh, man, that is one cool troll too. <laughs> I mean, they, there are exceptions, like the cover to Eldritch Wizardry. I really
2: liked.
3: I'm um, sure you did. But the
2: cover but art.
4: It's not just because there's a naked woman on the
0: altar. Mm-hmm. There is,
2: <laughs> Mike. You know, you you have a wife.
5: But- <laughs> <You're not gonna laughs> this podcast just.
0: Hi full-on. full-on. Hello, full on gamer folks. Uh full-on has joined us in how? products of
2: your imagination. How
5: did you do that, full-on? Oh, uh,
2: I didn't remove him from the Skype group.
5: Oh well, I was gonna okay. say I had those kind of powers, but okay, if you want to yeah. take the mystery away. <laughs> well dude, I'm like I'm a Skype. Geek. S-
4: secret ninja powers sounds a lot better.
5: What do you think of Swords and Wizardry, What What is Swords and Wizardry? Then I'll I, tell you what it's I think a, of it. It's a clone.
0: <laughs> it's, it's a uh, OD&D clone.
5: Well, as long as they're, you know, keeping things honest, I think pretty much any OD&D clone of any stripe has its merits and qualities. And as long as they're putting out product, go for it. It's awesome. Keep playing.
4: Yeah, as long as the supplements and modules are convertible, and most of them tend to be, by all means –
5: And I don't know that whole, you know, there's an armor class and a D20, and uh, there's things. What if I don't want to use those things? Oh, wait, those things work for that. Okay, I'll use those things. Yeah, pretty much everything's convertible to anything.
4: Well, sure. You can use anything with anything. It's just however much conversion. I mean, like, you know, Palladium, for example, being used for classic D&D requires more work than, say, um there were palladium modules? ADD. Ever <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I just pulled palladium as a thought of a I convoluted they game. They have a
5: great system and they have great supplements, but they've never ever released an adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closest they came to an adventure was like a adventure idea in a supplement book for Roadhogs. I think Actually, that was about it.
3: Didn't they do something for Robotech? That was a supplement.
5: Yeah, that was just it. a supplement of, here is the ship, here are the people. Here is a ship, here are the people. Make an adventure out of it. Go. Everything was uh, like that. They never, I remember they, they had never published the modules. Robotech
3: game, then they had the Zentradi supplement, and there was some other Robotech Anyway,
4: we're, we're getting <laughs> off topic here. <laughs>
0: yes. I was waiting anyway. for you to notice that.
4: <clears throat> All right. I, Does anyone have anything, uh, Crispy Glenn, to say about the, the format, of, the actual – since y'all both have copies of the complete rules.
1: Uh-huh.
4: Hmm. I, Although yours got printed off the PDF, right, Glenn?
2: Yes, it did. I was going to make myself a second copy because, oh, man, here's something great for, for all you pirates out there. If you're at all. Uh There is a thing on the Swords and Wizardry website that says, notice to printers. It's right on the front page. Anyone who brings in a PDF wanting to print it has our permission to print this.
4: Good. Because yeah, some some printers will get real horsey about that sort of yes, thing. Yes, so if,
2: nice. if you go to try and make a copy of Swords and Wizardry, any version of Swords and Wizardry, I will say that if you if you want the most brown book, just three little brown books, a version, go with the white box, which you can still download. If you want the um, kind of like supplement one, supplement two, go with like the second or third printing. And if you want, like, uh, supplement, you know, brown su- books with a lot of supplemental stuff, go with the fourth printing. And if you want to add a little more classes and stuff like that, because the fourth printing and the, or the fourth edition and the complete rules are pretty much the same game, honestly. They are super close.
0: Now, we talked about fourth printing. You're talking about fourth printing of the
2: core rule book? Fourth printing of the core rule book. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Um,
0: the still free one.
2: Yeah. Like, if you want to play the complete but only have fighter, magic user, thief, uh cleric. You pirate it? No, no, it's it's <laughs> Um then play the 4th edition cuz it's basically the same game as complete. Complete just adds a lot more classes. It's got a lot more player options.
4: Yeah. How's the book put together?
2: Wonderfully, I love the f- the the way the book is actually put together. I have a reject copy as well, and it's just it's the binding is really good. And is it glued the, or sewn? It's uh, I believe it's glued. Okay,
4: but it's held up pretty so far. It has, yeah. Right.
2: I'm, How long have you had it? It's pretty easy to find stuff. Uh, a year now, almost. Okay, so yeah, almost a year. It'll be a year in a couple months.
0: So it didn't unearth Arcana on you.
2: No actual I, copy of Unearthed Connor.
0: Okay. My copy, like I said, was ma- my, my DM made it using the instructions on Dragon's Foot and how to bind a book, by the way. And mm-hmm. he does it really nice. I mean, he's used... This thing's going to last quite a while. Are you going to put blue jean material over it? No. In fact, my RC no longer has blue jean material on it either. Aww. I, I got silly and threw it in the washer. Uh... <laughs> The and, uh, jeans
2: of the books? No, the, uh,
5: <laughs> the cup. I'm not going to throw RC in the watchers. Yeah, that's why I was like, You're what? Saying, silly. No. I like, what? No, I got, just take uh, care of Mountain Dew
0: and Pizza? Spin <laughs> <It's been> cycle. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, what,
0: what happened was I found I'd only sewed part of it. The other one was, was that uh, liquid thread stuff, and it just like, you know. But uh, yeah. I'll make another one. Who cares? Uh, but, no, this Swords and Wizardry is, like, solid. Um it's going to end, I, like I said, I've already said, love the layout, love, you know. It doesn't have an index, but, no, in fact, it does have an index. Between that and the table of contents, I can easily find whatever I want in here, which is very, a real big plus to me.
2: They all have lots of, like, every version has lots of really great sidebars that have uh, optional rules for you to use. and uh, There's still some stuff that's a little off, 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 it's uh, unclear. Okay. My little porky the pig moment there. Obfuscation. Obscucated. Obstica Obst- unclear. I can't even do it right now. <laughs> uh that I wish was a little more clear, but I also think that's on purpose because one thing that I I why I like Swords and Wizardry better than even Labyrinth Lord is that it has even less rules than Labyrinth Lord's already super light approach.
4: Basically, letting the DM flexes creative muscles, as it that, were.
2: Yeah.
0: And you know, I could see taking Labyrinth Lord's Erase's class and using it with this if you didn't want to do the. Yeah, you
2: could. You could definitely do that. I mean, if, if you did not want to
0: separate them. Or use mazes and perils. Or mazes and perils too.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's right.
2: But not like first edition, right?
0: You know what I love about this and other retro clones like this, especially this. Um, I've seen too many, too many clones saying, this is the clone of the popular book published in blah, 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 blah. Of the world's most popular
4: role-playing game,
0: game, yeah. Mm -hmm. This, with this, Swords and Wizardry, because I noticed this at the convention, I was looking at the Tome of Horrors Complete, and Mm -hmm. they have a Pathfinder version and a Swords and Wizardry version. That is their way of saying, take the Swords and Wizardry if you're an OSR guy. Take the Pathfinder version if you're three, three, five, or maybe even four. So mm-hmm. they're basic, and I love they can do that. It's kind of a shorthand without having to go to the trouble of saying, "Okay, this is from a game we can't mention, but we're going to sort of hint around."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: everything it's honest, what, it's honest. What
1: do, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: what do you play, Holmes? Here, take Swords and Wizardry.
4: Take- <laughs> so, if you had to give it dragons, Glenn, what, how many dragons would you give it?
0: Four dragons. Or four. four. Four dragons. I
2: mean... Crispy? Yeah.
0: I'm oh, sorry. A... No, oh. no, no. That's alright. Right. I don't need to explain myself.
2: Go ahead. Alright. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, my four and a half that I'd given it last time. Okay. Liz?
3: Uh, I'm going to give it four as well.
4: I'll give it a four, too, just because I think it's a really good game. Um, there's a few creativity designs choices that I kind of scratched my head a little bit about, but it's certainly, I'd be glad to play it. And like I said on the first time we recorded this, the best thing I can say about Swords is Wizardry is when Liz and I were playing in Dennis the Stars game in uh, North Texas RPG Con, I didn't know we were playing Swords and Wizardry. I thought we were playing original D&D. And I only found out later we were actually playing Swords and Wizardry. And that's probably the best thing I can say about it.
5: Okay. And what better compliment needs to be paid?
0: That's right. And
5: our wild card. Full what, what, how many dragons would you give it? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't I even know come. what it is. I will, yes, I do. I will come with the Shill Man presentation. I'll give you four dragons for it, five if you get it, the absolute best factor, which would be free with your Reaper Bones Kickstarter, which only is uh, 250000 away from getting you that with your vampire-level contribution. You had to shield well, it. There's more. I had to shield. I, had oh, to. I'm, I'm still. I'm still coming down off of Gen Con. That's what I did for four days straight. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Yeah. But, but, oh, the kids,
0: it. but Kickstarter is good, so you know,
1: do
5: it. Okay, well, I guess. But you only have 19 hours from the time of me speaking this, not necessarily when people are hearing this. So if this podcast goes up quickly, go to Kickstarter and Wait, get it. Probably. If you did,
2: <laughs> how many, <laughs> how many no, 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 no. dollars do I have to spend on this Kickstarter?
5: You can spend any number of dollars you want on it. They've already made their pledge. They're going to meet their thing, but if you spend $100 on Kickstarter – you get over two hundred miniatures at less than thirty cents a pop to include specials. Man, that's good deal. But I got like half a ton
4: of lead we don't use already.
2: I I have to go to heavy plastic. I can't. It's
4: the bones line.
2: I have to buy a new laptop. Are they already
4: pre-painted? No. Ah, uh, well, that's my problem with my lead. I've got them, just not have them painted. It doesn't stop me. Anyway.
3: Anyway, time to head
0: is. out the road.
3: And if down you're to do a, quick, a Kickstarter, do the Braille Dice one instead. People need that.
0: Ah, oh, I do both
2: of them. <laughs> You've got money, you crumaging old. Uh, yeah, yeah, crazy
0: old so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> Says the old man in the back. Yep. <laughs> go and
1: have a good time. Good night, everybody. Oh, good. Free go, arc. Go down. <laughs> uh, bye <Bye-bye. laughs>